Welcome everybody to another episode of the Nerd Continuity where we talk about design, development and all other random stuff that we can find online. Today is an interesting podcast, I hope it's an interesting episode because I want to talk to you about how to be a better developer. All the advice that I'm going to give you can be applied to pretty much every field, every job field, every skills is not just bounded to the developer type like web developer or software engineer or something related to development. All these advice that I'm going to give you are related to my personal experience. Of course, I learned all this stuff through the years and I'm seeing all these mistakes, if we want to call them like that, daily basically from people that I know and people that I meet constantly. But before tackling this main topic, I want to talk to you about some news that recently came out for the, of course, world of design and development. The first news that uh, I think is really interesting was published by Smashing Magazine and is related to the next version of JavaScript, the ECMA Script 6 or shortened ES6. So the ES6, it's the next version of JavaScript and it has some really great new features. The most notable things are pretty much through our tree and I want to mention it. Basically, if you know a little bit about JavaScript, you know that uh, managing variables, it's kind of hard. You have global variables, you have local variables, and sometimes you have a really long script and you have a lot of if statements, a lot of functions, and you want to use some specific variables, but you forgot maybe that you already used those variables, so you just mess things up. Instead, now with the next version of JavaScript, you're going to have a new type of variable called let, L-E-T. The let variable is a variable that is constrained inside whatever function or whatever statement you define this variable. So if you have an if statement or a function or a for each loop or whatever and you put you declare a variable with the attribute let, this variable is going to be um, defined and it's going to be usable only inside that specific declaration. Uh, this is really helpful uh, because you can use the same variable name. For example, if you're looping inside of for each and you have the i variable that is usually like for i equals zero and the length of whatever array and you increment the number of the variable i, you can use that i inside another function or another for each, another if statement without uh, emptying that variable and without worrying that the variable is going to be used multiple times at the same time and it's going to create like trigger some errors. This is really interesting. Another new introduction of the next version of JavaScript is the const declaration for a constant variable. Um, you can declare a block scoped variable with the prepend const, and in this way you can declare a read-only reference to a value. This is really important because you can declare uh, maybe a global variable, a predefined global variable that you don't want to change and you can only read. So you can set up your project with a specific amount of variables that are constant and 
no one can change it. No, no, no one can override those variables. So it's pretty safe. You can use them. You can uh, use them wherever you want. You can recall them. And you are pretty safe that no one will have the ability to override. The other great addition that I found in the next version of JavaScript is the arrow function. Uh, the arrow functions make uh, for short and concise code. Uh, basically, the arrow functions, you can think about them as like the short version of the if statement in PHP. If you know how it works, an if statement in PHP, and then you have the if statement, the shortened version, the one with the normal brackets, then a question mark, and then the semicolon to divide uh, one option or the second option. Basically, the arrow functions are kind of like this, you can declare a variable, inside the variable you have the function with an arrow statement that declares what's going to be the function. It's a really streamlined version to write a really small function and helps you a lot to keep the code uh, really, really short and really well manageable. So in general, uh, this feature of EE6 can be used almost for free double quotes as stated in the article, uh, like modules or arrow functions, rest parameters and classes. And this feature can be transpiled or can be like rolled back to the version, the previous version of JavaScript, the current version, the ES6. Uh, but of course we have some compatibility issues and most of the time the current browser are not fully supporting this new version of JavaScript. And the latest browsers already support 55% to almost over 70% of ES6 features. Um, in the list of browsers that supports this new version of JavaScript, there's Microsoft Edge, Google Chrome, and Mozilla Firefox. And they're kind of older, like they're almost at the same level. So Microsoft Edge is kind of a surprise that is including a lot of these new ES6 features of the next version of JavaScript, but it still doesn't give a shit about HTML5. I don't know why the developers of Microsoft, like they totally ignore HTML5. Probably they're waiting the version of HTML6, like they decided to skip the version, but anyway, Moving on, of course, probably you noticed that, but Twitter changed its UI. Now we don't have anymore the star, the star icon to um, select our favorite tweets, but we have the heart. It's pretty sweet. I don't know if you noticed, like the first, I think uh, I, I pumped up the statistics of Twitter the first time that I used the heart because I was clicking, clicking multiple times on the same tweet because I really love the animation. When you click that sweet, sweet animation, it, it's kind of complex. You have a lot of elements and it pops and has a little bit of fireworks and stuff, but it's really, really nice. I really love that small animation, a small response to your user input. The fact though is that a lot of users are complaining. This is kind of normal. Every time there's a change in the interface, users complain because they don't like changes. I don't understand why. Like, let's change stuff. Let's not keep it like that. But I can understand the point of view of these complaints because Twitter, by tweaking its UI, basically damaged a little bit its UX. So if you notice, or if you know, if you already, if you use that, you used to use the favorite options like that, a user used to use the favorite, the star, not to 
actually check which tweet is their favorite tweet. If they really like that tweet, they just retweet it because it's, it's a beautiful tweet, so they want to retweet it. But the star was used as a bookmark and I, I do that. I, I used to do that actually. And when you find a tweet with a specific link that you like, but you don't want to share, you just click the star. You used to click the star and that tweet was stored inside your favorite. So you could grab it later and check uh, the actual link or something that you were interested. By removing the star and putting the heart, users feel like that they don't want to click that anymore if something is not really, they don't really like that thing because heart is related to loving something, liking something, something that it's like cre creating some positive emotions in you. And sometimes you want to just bookmark a specific tweet to read it later. Instead, the heart is preventing you like unconsciously, <laughs> like it's preventing you to do that because you feel like you're giving a like, you're giving a, an appreciation to a specific tweet that you don't actually want to like or appreciate. If you appreciate something, you retweet it and you don't click the favorite because that's not how users used to use Twitter. It's, it's kind of tricky this part because I understand that users don't make the product but you should listen to your users that are using your product and you should understand how they use that specific product and you should make changes that improve the way a user are using your product and not completely change the scope of the UX or uh, the way they're actually using it. So uh, maybe... I don't know if it was a smart move, if it was a bad move, or we'll see. Twitter declared that anyway, after the introduction of the heart symbol, they saw an increase on the amount of users that use it, that favorite functionality. So, I don't know, we'll see. Probably, uh, because it was at the beginning, it was a new thing, users were, are more compelled to click on the thing, but I don't know if uh, this symbol, this simple swapping of an icon will damage Twitter on the long term. Another article that I want to talk to you about before going on the main topic is an article that I wrote on the website of my company. The article is entitled The Evolving Technology and my question is if the multi-platform compatibility of a specific software or a specific app it's now a dream of the past and if we are actually damaging ourselves, uh, let me go back a little bit. First, like basically everything started when I decided to build my Linux custom PC. I wanted to build this PC because I've been a Linux lover since forever. I started using Linux when I was, I don't know, 17, 18. It was like incredible. The amount of customizations and the possibility of installing and changing everything was amazing but something was missing of course it was really hard to make a, a professional use an everyday use when I switched when I went to the university and I needed like Photoshop the Adobe suite the Macromedia suite at that time it was impossible to have it on Linux so I had to switch on Windows and then after 
six, seven years on Windows, I bought a Mac, and now um, it's basically another 60 years that I'm on a Mac. So I have a lot of experience for all Linux, PC, and Mac, Linux, Windows, and Mac, so all these three different operating systems. And I really love Linux. I would love to go back. So I decided to build my custom Linux PC, and I started doing a research um, to write a list on about which software I can download, I can purchase, I, it doesn't matter, open source doesn't have to be free, absolutely, uh, to replace the software that I'm using right now. So on a Mac I'm using Sketch to do web design, I'm using Affinity Designer to do vector graphic, I'm using Photoshop to do photo retouching or digital painting, and I'm using Premiere Pro to edit video and audio. I have also uh, PreSonus Studio One to edit audio in a professional way when I write music, when I compose music and all this kind of stuff. Um, I decided to look deeply into the alternative software for Linux and I found out that they're still not there. Like, I downloaded GIMP and I downloaded Krita and I backed also Krita, I founded Krita in a Kickstarter campaign, I downloaded Artwork, I downloaded OpenShot, I downloaded Blender to use it as a video editor, and oh god, that was terrible. I struggled so much to accomplish the smallest thing ever. I'm not complaining about the software, I'm not complaining about how the system works. It actually was really fast, like Blender is lightning fast in editing and managing like really huge amount of file. Hardware was amazing, like all the options and effects and settings. It's just the UI. The UI is pretty terrible. I couldn't understand shortcuts, I couldn't understand how in-game, how levels are managed and the thing that pissed me off a lot, a lot, all these softwares, except for Blender, were all at the same status that they were five years ago. Like, I don't see an amazing or different or groundbreaking improvement on all these softwares. Like, it's, it's, I understand they're open source projects, so they go on by funding, and I founded all these projects. I'm on a Blender cloud. I founded Krita, I founded GIMP, I'm a donor of OpenShot, I'm a donor of Ardor, so I'm investing money in open source projects because I really believe in open source. But man, the development is so slow, it's just terrible. I understand that I can't pretend, of course, that's, that, that would be silly, I can't pretend to have the same amount of releases, the same amount of updates uh, of a professional software, but if we want to really start considering Linux as a valid alternative, we have to start building software that are real, that are really a valid alternative. That they're not gross, that they're not like hard to use and terrible UI and it's all messy and looks so dated and old. And after struggling with this stuff, I realized that I have to remain on a Mac. I have to remain with OS X. Not because I like the operating system, but because the apps and the softwares that I'm using are only for OS X. And this is terrible. 
So we are in a point in time where you cannot decide anymore if you want a Windows or if you want a Mac or if you want a Linux because you like the operating system, but you have to make sacrifice and you have to decide what are you willing to lose in order to use a specific software, specific application. So you use the Adobe software package, you use the Adobe Credit Cloud, you can stay on PC or Mac. Uh, you want a game, so you want a lot of games, you have to stay on a PC. You use Catch, you have to stay on OS X. You, want, uh, you use Final Cut, you have to stay on OS X. Uh, We're seeing lately more and more these division, this completely separation of apps. There are apps only for PC, only for Linux, only for Mac. And this is terrible. It shouldn't be like that. All the apps should be multi-platform. And I don't understand why we're reaching the, the point where developers are not willing to invest any more time and money to develop a multi-platform application. And this is, this is pretty terrible. It's just something that pisses me off a lot and I would like to change it. I will try, I'm, I'm studying Python and I will really try to build a software, especially uh, focus on web design, uh, a multi-platform software that I will release a paid software. I don't want to release it for free and in my opinion GIMP shouldn't be free, like open source software shouldn't be free. If you want an open source software that works and it's great and it's beautiful and it's multi-platform and has monthly updates, shouldn't be free. You should pay for that. And I'm not talking about that shitty Adobe subscription monthly that it's 20 bucks a month and after 10 months you're already spending $200 and you don't understand why you have to spend $200. Why can't we have GIMP as a standalone application that costs 50 bucks or 40 bucks. You, can you imagine the amount of updates and the amount of new releases and the amount of developers that can be paid to update and manage GIMP instead of like having this terrible, terrible software with a lot of good potential left it there to rotten in a corner and it's just bloated of horrible things. It's just full of good intention, but horribly executed. So I finished also the rant for this episode, and now we can talk about the main topic. And the main topic of today is how to be a good developer. I consider myself a good developer. I don't want to be cocky, I don't want to pretend, I don't want to be pretentious that I know better, and all these kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm really a human person. I, I know my limit, and when I see someone better than me, I recognize it. Hannah asks for his, his advice or her advice. I, it doesn't matter. I, I'm not jealous or something. This is the reason why I consider myself a good developer. I never give anything for granted, in any case. Let me explain. <laughs> so you, for example, you are an HTML developer. You are a front-end developer that builds in HTML. And for the past two years, you built beautiful, beautiful content form with the same HTML structure. The next project that you have, you have to build another content form. If you 
copy-paste your previous code and you reuse the same code to build another contact form without even checking if the code is outdated, you're giving your code for granted. If you're a backend developer and you're using a specific function to sanitize a specific variable or you're using a specific function to retrieve dynamically the ID in your MySQL database and you use the exact same function for years and years without even checking if the function is deprecated, you're giving your work, you're giving your code for granted. This is a massive mistake that everyone does, and, and I used to do it because, of course, we're on a budget, we have deadlines, we have to work hard, and we have to deliver a project or a software that works out of the box. We don't want to spend days and days of testing something that we already built multiple times. But if we don't start questioning what we're doing and what kind of code we're using, how we code stuff, every time we code, we will be stuck in a loop on using always the same thing and never updating ourselves. And this is fucking terrible because if you don't update yourself, you don't question like, it's my, is my knowledge really updated? Is what I'm doing kind of future-proof? I know that in web development especially, but pretty much everywhere, being future-proof is pretty impossible because technologies and the environment changes every day and we cannot keep the pace, keep up with the pace of updating ourselves and at the same time doing a good work. It's pretty, it's pretty impossible, but if you don't even try a little bit every day, every day, every time you're using a jQuery function that you click a button and will open a model, instead of using dot click, try to use another method. Try to check if the click function that you're using from jQuery is deprecated since version 1.10 and now in version 2.1 exists a completely different, faster, more reliable function that you could change, that you could use instead of your click function, but don't copy-paste the same code. You have a carousel, you have a slider, a rotator that you really love, but that code wasn't updated since 2011. Stop using that code, even if you really like it. Find something new, find something better. Build your own stuff, question, every time question what you're doing, and never be satisfied. And the last thing, if you want to be a good developer, please be organized. Be organized in everything, like be organized on your desk, like real, the physical desk. If your desk is a mess, is dirty, and it's full of cables, it's full of pen, pencils, or mugs, or cups, or uh, whatever, piece of papers, if your desk is so messy that you can't find anything, your mind is also messy. You have to clean up your shit. And if your computer has a thousand tabs open and you have multiple files on the desktop and you have folders called with ASD or blah, 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 you don't have a really precise, accurate method of archiving your files and your computer is not clean, is not constantly updated, you are not constantly updated. Your mind is not clean. Your mind is not well organized to handle a developer job. So my main uh, advice is 
not because I'm better than you. I will never, never say that. I, I, I don't consider myself better than anyone, but I struggle with this stuff for a long, long time, for a lot of years, and I, I, I realized that after I started to question every time I used to use a piece of code, like, is this code updated? Is this code right? Even if it works, I use this code since 2012, 2013, so maybe I should check if this code is still okay to use. I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Um, maybe I went a little bit too nerdy, but hey, this is the nerd continuity, so if we don't go nerdy in this podcast, where can we be super, super nerdy? So, um, thank you guys for checking this podcast. If you have some question, if you want to share some article with me, or if you want to know something about me, myself, or if you want to participate to this podcast, you're totally welcome to participate. If you want to share your experience, you can send me a message, or you can uh, tell me when you're available, and we can set up a live podcast for the Nerd Continuity, and you can send your story, you can tell us your story and you can tell us your experience as a developer, designer, software engineer, uh, whatever, whatever it's your job, I don't care. If you're passionate about your job, if you're passionate about something, you're a nerd. So we are all nerd about something. Thank you again, guys, for checking this podcast and see you in the next episode.